Hey everyone, and welcome back to Bottomless Coffee Podcast. Uh, I'm Jerome. You can find all of our episodes, podcast episodes, and TV show episodes at bottomlesscoffeeshow.com. Today, we're going to do something that's a little unusual for us. We're going to ground the conversation in a common understanding because there's a lot of misinformation out there regarding trans people, and we do not want to perpetuate communicating any misinformation. So let's just start um, with something simple. You know, here we believe that trans lives matter, but that is just the baseline. Just like anybody else, trans people have a right to live their full lives free of oppression. Um, Now, if you are a new listener, then you might not be familiar with the many forms that oppression can take. Uh, And if that's the case, I've got you. I would suggest that you start with episode 13, the anti-racist agenda as a really good jumping off point. But if you are a longtime listener, you're probably like, get on with it, Jerome, which is just fine too. <laughs> so here we are today. Two cis gay men will be having a frank and candid conversation about how we can be better allies to the trans community. And our guest for this conversation is Aaron Minkama. Welcome, Aaron. Hi, Jerome. How's it going? I'm really excited to well to see you again because this is on video, but also just to hang out with you because I visited in Austin just a couple of weeks ago, and um, we didn't get to spend as much time together as I would have liked. I know, I know. Uh, we need to have you back soon, and I need to. Yeah. I'm gonna like claim time next time. Yeah. I think that was my mistake, is not going, I am taking this day as mine. Well, so the trip okay. was planned before you moved down there. So, yeah, that, you I know, know. Yes, that was out of your fair. hands. <laughs> so very out of my hands. But it was, it was, it was good seeing you for the moment I did. Um, yes. And yeah, I um, am super happy that everything with, with Bottomless Coffee is going off so great. And yeah hearing all of your your kind of life updates. Yeah, because you were a guest on the podcast in the very early days. I think you were maybe the first guest that we we realized we were like, oh, we need to have microphones when we are <laughs> when we are using the podcast. Yeah. It is so important to have microphones and to like I mean, for all intents and purposes, I was trying to be super smart, but it was my first podcast where it was like on video. Yeah. And so like I remember I had my ring light going and we was using a random platform. Like I, it might've been using this, but like some platform no, I've never used before. And I think just this. like the entire setup didn't work. Oh my God. But it was called, I think you were able call, to salvage the audio. The platform is called Skype and <laughs> it's, it's pretty popular. <laughs> it's a big one. It's a big one. But this is better. This is better. So you this moved. Is, this is way better. It's, it is. It really huh? is. Uh, you moved from Minnesota to Texas, and there's been a lot of a lot of wild stuff going out th- going on down there, um, particularly with regards to the LGBTQ community as a whole, and specifically the T in the LGBTQ community. Um, what how, what's that been like for you? You know. Um... I had a couple choices of where I could possibly move. I had the option of actually moving to another pretty progressive state of California for my job. Um, But just due to a lot of other things, uh, Texas ended up feeling like it was the right um, place for me to go. But I also went there almost knowing that there would be a level of culture shock happening Um, and just kind of knowing too and feeling empowered that my like my vote actually would matter. And so yeah. that ha- the silver lining of, of coming to this state and witnessing firsthand just how terrible, like I, I voted in like a citywide election and just how hard it was to like vote. Oh yeah. Though like the actual, like and how easy it is to do it in Minnesota was just wild to me. Um, yeah. And how how that has turned into like i think 
Minnesota is the like number one or number two most engaged politically like states in the country. Yeah, highest voter turnout. Like, I think. I think Texas is like forty percent of eligible voters actually vote. It's like wild, and so what that also kind of means is that every vote talking about these things, talking about yeah. why it's important, getting my friends to vote, getting anyone I possibly can to register will actually have an impact, you know, like all it takes is people voting here and yeah. it would be a very, it, it could be a very blue state. It could look a lot different. And that is kind of so, like really cool to me whenever I'm feeling super down. So I, I did not think we were going to go into voting rights in this episode, but I did move from Atlanta, Georgia to Minnesota and I re distinctly recall during my first election that I did not trust voting by mail. I was like, you just, I was like, oh, you silly Midwesterners. You think if you put your ballot in the mail, it, they're not just going to throw it away. <laughs> I was like, I will go and I will stand in line. I took half the day off, you know, because I, I was accustomed oh, to yeah. like four hours required at a minimum, really, to wait in line to cast your vote. Um, and a lot of people will not know this because we don't talk about it nearly enough, but like five minutes in and out to cast your vote should really be the norm. Um, and it is not right. that in Atlanta. It sounds like it's not that in Texas. And that's just like, it's one form of oppression. Um, in this case, it's voter suppression uh, that people who are frequently not on the side of trans rights do engage in. And that's, so like, just to kind of, I know, again, we are not here to talk about voter suppression, it's fine. but well. I think that like one of the things I kind of want to add into that is because I, I will sometimes engage with the trolls on social media about this whole thing or oh, about really? these things. And I, okay. I made a tweet a while back that was talking about my experiences voting. And they're like, all of these people are like, yeah, well, it shouldn't be easy to vote. And I'm like, What? <laughs> the, the heart like the thing is is like voting is a guaranteed right for yeah. all americans like to be able to vote and so every single thing that is put in place to make it harder to vote is disenfranchising people yeah our my privilege of being able to have a job that i can take two hours out of my day and go vote if i need to that's privilege some yeah. people, especially the people that are most disenfranchised by the system, are working two jobs and mm -hmm. they don't have a car and they have to take public transit and their employer might not be paying them to take the time off to vote. Yep. They might have to actually like take the time off and they'd be losing out on money, which might be the only money they're going to have for the week to help support their family. And so like when you do that, when you make it so you have to bring a form of uh, like one of five different types of ID. Yeah. If you don't have that ID or that ID isn't current, that's another step in the process that will take you back. Or in the case of Texas too, you have to register to vote at least 30 days before the actual election. Oh, and there is no, there is no mail-in, no mail-in option. Okay. I was, I was not aware. So like there, yeah. it is wild the amount of hoops that they make people go through if they want to vote. Yes, you can. Yes, it's still your right, but you just have to do it this way. And it's yeah. like by doing it that way, you are disenfranchising so many people. And that's the reason why sometimes these vocal minorities are able to find ways to, to get their voices to be as loud as the majority, as loud as regular people. And that is gonna... like, I think the big thing that kind of, I want to emphasize with this here today is that like voter suppression, all of these tactics, the way we stop them, the way we make it so our democracy actually works for all of us is by like doing those hoops right now, doing those things for the next five, 10 years. So we can have better policies, better laws in terms of voting to make it more easy and more accessible so that the general public's voices can be heard and radical minority groups aren't able to kind of take away our elections. I would, um, I do think there's a really good dovetail, oops, hit my microphone. There's a good dovetail between voter suppression and our engagement in the process and um, 
the rhetoric that we hear that demonizes populations. So in this case, right. lately, it's uh, it's definitely trans. I'm hearing trans, trans, trans all the time with a negative connotation. Whereas a few months ago, it was more like drag queens and trans people, let's say. I'm hearing less about the drag queens lately uh, and more about trans people lately. Um, and in my mind, uh, someone with a political background, that's because they found really high engagement in their political base with regard to demonizing trans people. And I think that's really important to point out because like, you're, like you said, Aaron, it is very difficult in a lot of those same places to vote. You really do have to, if you're in a rural area, you really do have to drive you know, 10, 15, 20 miles, stand in line for a long period of time in the heat uh, and sacrifice other things that you could be doing. And keep, by the way, you might do all that and get up to the front and then find out that you are not registered to vote because you're, you were purged off of a roll or something. Um, right. But yep. when people are scared and outraged and angry, they do vote. They absolutely do vote. Um, and one thing I feel like we're not really seeing in the GLB part of the GLBT is uh, the kind of outrage about what's happening to our trans siblings that translates to us talking to our friends and our family and being like, y'all need to vote these people out because they are messing with people that we really care about, people who are really important to us. Um, and I think... I feel like that's something you posted on Instagram, and I took your I took your line. <laughs> yeah. So I I mean I think one of the things that I mean I kind of going back to last time I was on the podcast, I talked about how I was very politically involved and politically involved yes. on the wrong side for a while, wow. and I think what I am finding is and I don't know if you feel the same way. I mean obviously I think I think you're you're running for office. So I don't think you do feel the same way. No longer running. But <laughs> no longer running. No longer politics running. Politics is politics is exhausting. And yes. what's even more exhausting is having our identities be a topic of political conversation. Yeah, my seriously. identity, my existence shouldn't be something that like is voted yes or no, whether or not I'm allowed to exist. That isn't mm -hmm. like a thing. That isn't, if you are uh, a straight person, just think about that. Like yeah. how, how your identity, your very existence of who you are is currently kind of being legislated one way or the other. That like is so demoralizing. And I think on top of that, what's so exhausting about it is that, as someone that's, that is being oppressed, it is my job to have to continue to, whether it's educating my friends, my family members, whoever else about my identity, but also like, that's my identity. My identity as a, as a queer person yes. is, is a little bit easier to be able to talk about because it has been kind of, um, I would say corporatized in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And it's sure. been kind of, digested by um, culture as something that's okay. But trans people are not that way right now. Trans people don't necessarily have that same um, kind of just groundswell culture support that the, mm -hmm. the, gay, the gay community seems to have these days. And that's truly where it really does feel like not now, there are less trans people than there are obviously of the rest of the, yeah. the, the queer population. And so there are less voices that have to be even louder to be able to do that. Yeah. And as a, an ally, as a cisgender ally, it is my job to, to do whatever I can to, to both amplify trans voices, but mm -hmm. also educate people on why trans lives matter, why trans people, their rights are just as important, important as anyone else's rights, and we need to make yeah. sure that we are going out of our way to support theirs. And I want, oh. go ahead. Okay, I want to touch on um, something you said just a little bit ago. Uh, you referenced the past episode and polit your political ideology at the time. You called it the wrong side. And I'm going to take a little bit of issue with that phrasing just because um, 
the libertarian ideology to some extent uh, plays well here. Uh, because I do agree that we as gay men do have to be that bridge between our trans siblings and um, our straight allies explaining how it is that these how it is that this legislation that's targeted towards trans people will impact um, straight people. Uh, and one example in my mind is this idea of the government telling you what you can wear or how you can look like or how your gender presents itself, um, which I think is pretty aligned with the libertarian ideology of being like, listen, government, <laughs> you have very few jobs and we would like to take some of those jobs away. <laughs> But surely, so, so surely I, telling people what to wear is not one of your jobs. I <laughs> completely agree with you. I think that the, the, the counterpoint to that is I would say that, like, yes, uh, a staunch libertarian, by definition, like their ideology, they would hopefully be okay with, like, trans people because for all intents and purposes, trans people, um, like, everyone gets to do whatever they want with their body as long yes. as it's not hurting other people. Yes. I think where, where the, the radical right is getting um, the, the libertarians more on board is they're going, oh, by them doing this, it is grooming our children or it is mm. whatever else. And one thing about libertarians is it's like, do whatever you want as long as it doesn't affect me. And I think that they are trying to show that it, that, Trans people existing does affect you, which right. And so I mean, at that argument, there's a lot of other things that affect you much worse, right? And affect your family, your children, yes. affect their health much worse than yeah. than a, a, a transgender person existing. I'll tell you that. What a hundred percent agree, and I think um, in the spirit of making sure that we are not spreading any misinformation, we do need to make clear that this, whatever it is they're telling these radical libertarians is very likely false because I, there is no organization out there talking about grooming kids. You know, I'm, I'm in media. I'm, I'm a somewhat influential homosexual. I have a lot of friends, trans and otherwise. People talk to me about stuff and we are not talking about your children. We do not care really about your children. That's probably the big gay secret. It's like we don't like we're we really don't care about your <laughs> about your kids. A lot of us are like very in line with Trixie don't Mattel. Care about your kids. <laughs> right. Yeah, very that. I I think that that's that, that's very true. But the thing is yeah. is like I I care about your kids as from human like beings, a, I guess. As human beings, but I don't really want to interact with. Please don't right. ask me to watch your kids. No, I'm like, not thinking about them. I'm really not. Really? But at the, like, okay, so like, yes, I agree with you. And I think that's like kind of a fun kind of point with the whole thing. But I would say that for all intents and purposes, we should be allowed to care for children. Like, Gay people, oh, if sure. they want to have kids, they should be able to have oh, kids. Oh, yes, yes, Trans yes, people, yes, yes. if they want to have kids, they should be able to have kids. Like, we all should be able to have kids. And I think even when I was thinking about it today, I was like, we all, like, I have, I have an old coworker that I think uh, took her kids out of public school because she didn't want them to get... Um, any sort of exposure to things that she didn't necessarily believe in. Wow. That's a whole it, lot. It, like in that respect, I don't like when we use this term grooming, I think for all intents and purposes, I just, I would say that there's, there is, there's truth and validity that we parents are really all they're doing is grooming their children. Like, they're grooming them into their hope, hopefully into their ideologies, hopefully into like their responsible religion, adults. Hope, yeah. Hopefully into responsible adults. They're doing their part to try and like make their kids, hopefully the best kids they possibly can do. Yes. Putting them in, 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 in sports, doing whatever. I don't think that 
like if grooming is is saying like i i want you to be aware of of your of sexuality and gender i think that that's a good thing that's like a yeah. good thing for children to know cuz i was even talking to um one of my friends um last week and i was talking about how like i grew up in a very sheltered um uh, community where like even like even in our our school i think we had maybe a total of like five five black people total yeah and i didn't meet a black person like period didn't meet a black person until i was like i want to say in second grade yeah and so when i first met a black person i was truly like i don't what is this like how do how do i interact with you like and it was it was truly like it didn't need to be that way. Right. If I would have been exposed right. to to more skin color, to more whatever, it takes away a lot of that sticker shock of when you first see it and you're like you're, or see a person that yeah. doesn't look like you and you're like, "Wait. That's possible?" <laughs> you know, like right. And so if anything, like that's the other kind of benefit to exposing your kids to all of these different like walks of life and stuff is like Absolutely. All you're going to be doing is helping them not be like what the heck is this about? And I think we have to and be questioning and then be asking you questions. Hopefully they'll be able to kind of go, "Oh yeah, this all just makes sense. It's going to be a lot easier to learn at a young age." Yeah. When everything's getting learned, then like as adults, learning pronouns is a lot harder to, to break into the he or she or they because we didn't grow up with it that way. And that's the point I wanted, I, I really wanted to jump in and make is just like your previous coworker who took their child out of school so they wouldn't be exposed to something they didn't disagree with. I think that's the spirit that a lot of people are bringing into this anti trans business because. Grooming, quote unquote, is everywhere. Like you go to school, you stand up, you recite the Pledge of Allegiance. That is to groom you into being a good American that answers the call when uh, Uncle Sam needs you or whatever. And we are totally right. down for that specific type of grooming. But when we, when we want to educate kids about the literal reality of their being... So many genders, <laughs> so many sexes. The the fact that the the education that these older adults primarily received uh, was insufficient and is out of date. I think that really, really upsets people, and so they want to kind of escape from that reality and make sure that their kids are not. Well, some people want to make sure their kids are not exposed to, to literal reality um if yeah. i wasn't taught it growing up i'm scared what it's it not real my children right you know like it, it's truly like i bet they better not learn that either because i didn't learn it and it's scary to me now yes bizarre it just it, it it's it's strange to me it's not um I don't I think it's probably a band-aid on something that is just going to end up having to be reality over time and I think that just is kind of the way things are is like we slowly do we are seeing culture really do the two steps forward maybe one step back mm. situation mm -hmm. and I feel like we currently are in the one step back situation but it's I'll tell you that I think this year in particular the amount of attacks that have been happening on trans people not just in terms of like legislation, but also in terms of like, I don't know, culture. And in terms of like, it's not just about what's being legislated. It's also about all of the issues with Bud Light that happened. Um, and then now like also yeah. Target that has happened. And I think what probably breaks my heart the most with all of this is that brands are looking, they're looking and listening to what, what's going on with Target, what's going on with Bud Light, where I think Bud Light has had some of the worst, um, like, beer sales in years. But then there's also Target, which I can't imagine that they're doing super well either right now. Like, 
both of these 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 um, companies, it's not what what sucks about it is the conservatives or the the the, the radical right, as I, I guess I want to refer to them as. They're going to probably chalk this up as a win because they're going. They stopped selling some merchandise and their sales are impacted, so it's amplifying their voice. But what sucks about it too is that I think that like queer people are also not supporting those brands because those the brands mm. are like actively going away from supporting uh, trans people. And so like there was a moment in time that I was like jokingly drinking Bud Light all the time because I yeah. was like. It's the trans rights beer. And then when they were like, ooh, uh, it was a mistake to partner with Dylan, I was like, okay, yeah. well, you're not the trans rights beer. <laughs> so you're not, you're, you're not for them, but you're also not for us. And you're kind of just saying I'm tapping out. That is like not something that I want to necessarily support because yeah. you, ha you were supporting yeah. us. And you just decided not to. And same thing with Target. It's like, and so the radical right, I feel like they, they're probably chalking this stuff up as a win. Where really, like, the only one losing is the brand. And then every, actually, no, we're all losing. Like, yeah. they're not getting a, a good company that's, that's like, going to continue to, like, be anti-trans. We're not getting a, a, a company that's going to actually stand by any sort of moral compass. And Target sales are just, like probably not doing great you know oh, okay okay let's i want to take a quick coffee break and then come back and talk more about uh capitalism and corporate allyship because that seems to be <laughs> that seems to be the intersection here we will we'll be right back <laughs> Okay, this is a super quick, super cute story. My local bagel shop has signs that say a couple of things. One sign says that you should only refer to staff using gender neutral terms, which is only remarkable because so few places have a similar sign. The other sign says to wear a mask, which is remarkable because so few places actually ask you to wear a mask when everybody knows that it's gotta cost the shop money when the workers get sick with COVID or the flu. Like my coworker and my day job got sick and I had to cover for her one time and I'm still mad about it. And I'm probably gonna stay that way until she has to cover for me, cause that's life. Anyway, if you can avoid getting sick by wearing a mask in your local shop, then you should do that. It's nice for the workers, it's nice for the people waiting next to you. It's just a nice thing to do. And more importantly, it keeps people from having to cover for you at work if you get sick because Nobody wants to do that. Okay, I guess that was less of a cute story and more of a rant. I apologize for that, but my rant is now complete. So let's just get back to the conversation. We are back with Bottomless Coffee Podcast. I'm speaking with Aaron Minkama, host of Bop or Flop Podcast. He is at the Aaron. T-H-E-E-H-R-E-N on Instagram. Um, it's weird, but you will get used to it, I think, is his tagline. <laughs> it's actually from Jamee Private School Girl. Um, or no, it's Summer Heights High, but Jamee says it in Summer Heights High. So I'm just taking her line. There you go. There you go. I don't think that show's on anymore, so it's just basically up for grabs. <laughs> uh, it's, it, well, it also is like... As funny as it is, it's also very problematic. Oh like, no! It's yeah, okay. It's, well, we're we're talking about problematic things on this episode, and how we as cis gay men can be less problematic and better allies to our trans siblings. Um, and so, as we left the last segment before our coffee break, we were talking about um, almost like wokeism. Kind of like the the woke movement targeted, uh, targeted Target, targeted Bud Light, and then kind of comically switched to another Anheuser Busch beer, and so um, <laughs> Bud Light was down, but Modelo was up, and so it was like, well, I don't know if it makes a difference or not. It's but they all also the same people. They also targeted Chick Fil A, 
um, which is one thing yeah. I wanted to mention. I wanted to make sure we save that for this <laughs> for after the break because I knew we'd get into it there. <laughs> did you? Um, so did you hear about that? Yes, I, I I heard. I think like for all intents and purposes, there's for anyone that is on the radical right listening or people that aren't on the radical right listening. I think that there's really two different types of kind of like corporate support of of queer people. There is internal support, which is think of that like HR hmm. and then think of like outward support like marketing and PR. Um, and what Chick-fil-A was really kind of getting flack on. And I think this is again where like people can get like swirled up about anything and you can turn anything into a headline these days. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like we were seeing a spot of from Chick-fil-A where it was like outward marketing that was like with queer people in it. No, yeah. <laughs> it was just that they have like a DNI group for like gay people that just happen to work at Chick-fil-A, which you tell me one company that doesn't have that these days. That's almost kind of like the standard. Even the most conservative places are going to like still do that because they kind of need to. HR says, if you don't do this, you're probably going to get discrimination lawsuits pretty frequently. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> just wanted to call, call well, that out that th that's the difference there. But like Chick-fil-A, yeah, they're getting some flack because guess what? They have a pride group. But I think we have um, some expectations from our uh, brands that, uh, like, like Target, like I don't know, I I would not say Anheuser Busch, but like Svetka, you know, some vodka, some vodka brand who at, they advertise heavily to homosexuals. They want the homosexual dollar. Um, yeah, we expect them to stick with us through a little flack, and I think that's because. At least my mental thought is that, you know, there are a lot of people out there who have a problem with us existing. They're just like there are problems with pe people who have problems with me being black, people who have a problem with me having a white husband. There are people who have a problem with, you know, trans people. Um, and I would not expect Target to cave to racists. I would not expect them to cave to people who are against interracial marriage. And so I was disappointed in their um, less than robust response, let's say, less than full-throated response to defense of uh, the, the, the products and their stores and what have you. Uh, but I do also respect that they're a company. And some of those products, I feel like, could not have been selling that many pieces. <laughs> So I, I yeah. love to buy the Target Pride merch. Yeah, you do. I am someone that like will buy probably at least $100 worth the, of shit. The louder and prouder, the better for you. Yeah. But like they have, they, there is like this cute boiler suit this year that's green oh. that I will not be caught dead in wearing this year. But like once the collection has faded, three months, four months from now, I will put it on and I guarantee you people are going to be like, damn, that's a cute little boiler suit. Where'd you get oh. it? And I'm going to be like, oh, Target Pride, bitch. <laughs> like, I, those going going off of like that, like, the, the, the merchandise in the moment is probably like, you're like, I don't want to wear that because everyone, like, I know that like, sure. this great allies are going to be wearing it and like, I don't know, the gays that wear the rainbows year round are going to be wearing it. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be a part of that. But then at the same time, like, I can't tell you how mad I am that I missed out on the, the rainbow suit, like the shorts suit. Do you remember that from last year? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that you missed out. How did you miss out? <laughs> well, it's, it's god awful <laughs> ugly. It's god awful <laughs> ugly. But like, I would have loved to rock it like I think this year if I would have wore it for Halloween it would have been like the most iconic thing because it would be like the perfect reference to like all of that yes um but talking about seriousness and talking about I think what like where we're at and where we where we're at now especially is obviously there is uh um an almost expectation by like corporate marketing departments that like 
what are we going to do for pride? Are we going to switch our logo to, to be rainbow, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And I will say that like up until now, I was kind of a little bit of an advocate for companies participating in doing that because there are queer young people that see those brands and see those things and they go, wow, those brands support me. And secondarily to that, I know as someone that's pretty much only worked in big corporate America, that all of these different pride things, I was actually even looking up because I, I think I talked to you about this uh, before we started recording. I looked up my name on, on Google and one of the things that shows up too is that like there's a Best Buy press release talking about how I started Pride, like all of their Pride merchandise at Best Buy. Yeah. It's, it is queer people in these DNI groups that are going out of their way to create this merchandise, not just because, um, like, not because they're trying to like to do a, to make a profit. Because I I know for a fact that I was not trying to make a profit at that point. Sure. But really, what I was trying to do is call the bluff of like, um, like Best Buy corporate in that respect to go. You're willing to support me in private, but are you willing to support me mm. in public? And I think that's that is the tone right now that I want to to make sure that we're landing about like any future pride. If any brand decides that they want to do uh, celebrate Pride Month to put up a rainbow or whatever else, it better not just be a rainbow. You better be going out of your way to support the trans community. Like that is now like going to be a, a must have yeah. for for me to ever want to consider any of these brands is actually like supporting us and not just doing it as a marketing move. And that's, I think the big thing. And there's like tons of ways of doing that. Like, I think I was, I was brainstorming if you wanted to have a back and forth of like naming products that would be helpful uh, oh. <laughs> to, to uh, for, for brands that a retailer like target or any other brand, things that they could be doing to support the trans community. Or else I can just list a couple we things. We can try. Yeah. I, well, you know, I just hosted an event at Kiehl's at the Mall of America, and it happened to be a trivia event. So I can I can definitely say <laughs> that Kiehl's and L'Oreal, their parent company, have been um, contributing to gay causes for over 20 years. Um, and so I feel confident that a company like that will um, expand their agenda if they haven't already to also support the trans community. So th the thing is, is though right now, that's like the, that's the one thing I want to be calling out is I think a lot of, a lot of companies have gotten with the times and they're using the new progress or the new progress flag that has mm -hmm. like the trans colors and has black and brown to, to showcase the, the BIPOC community too and showcase those underrepresented groups. But I don't think that they necessarily like mean it and understand that like, it's those groups in particular that we need to go out of our way to support additionally outside of just blanket rainbow. Like it's, I think we're at the same point right now of like yeah. black lives matter, but with the trans community in regards to pride, like yes, all lives matter or all queer people matter. But right now trans people yeah. are the ones that are currently getting the brunt of this. And they're the ones where it is a little bit more, I hate to say it, but it's more controversial for these brands to go out of their way to support these uh, to this population, this this group of people. And from that, if 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 like Stonewall was a was it started as a riot, it started as like something that wasn't you know popular, that wasn't kind of supported by everyone, and it took people to ha people having courage to say, no, I'm not going to stop being myself or brands in this case saying, no, I'm not going to back down. I'm going to double down in supporting these groups. That's what we need right now from like any of these corporations, these brands, anyone that wants to participate in pride, stop focusing on the, the stupid rainbow at this point. It's about supporting the, the more marginalized groups within our community. Even the yeah. non-binary community is another one. Bisexuals. Like there needs to be more kind of exposure what? for all of the other- <laughs> What <runners>. are those? <laughs> I, okay, so uh, you are, I agree with you. I think you're right. I do think um, one thing that as a corporate person, you might be forgetting is how slow 
companies are to do just about anything. And but but stirring the pot from a political perspective, you can do very quickly. So that's like a couple of speeches, something goes viral, you see that you get a lot of angry reactions to it or whatever. And so you just keep repeating the incendiary vial. And yeah. so I will say that to have the expectation that these large cor- the large corporate entities in particular uh, to pivot as quickly as um, like a politician or the organized radical right would be very difficult. Now, I do, I do want to call out, though, that we do have um, organizations like HRC, for instance, who should be working with these large companies to kind of keep them accountable um, using that index and, and what have you and make sure that they are um, leveraging their resources to support us as much as possible. But, you know, let's... They need a little time. <laughs> they, do, they do need time, but I think, like... This is why I wasn't a very good politician because I'm too reasonable. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that that's necessarily like we as queer people are the ones that like have allowed for all of these these companies to be able to like participate in our parades, to participate mm. in our celebrations, to to advertise to us and like all of that. And we can also at the same tone as long as we're all together with it as a groundswell we can go no we don't want you in our in the pride parade we don't want you at the pride festivals we don't want you at these things unless you corporation are actually doing these things and we can i mean just like with the equality index every year it's harder and harder to get the score of 100 which is great from hrc but like at the same time we can also be holding our corporations and brands more accountable too and go this is like it's great that you supported the us last year with a rainbow. This year, we're expecting a little bit more, and we're actually expecting you to go out of your way to support this other marginalized group that's a part of our community yeah. that you've not necessarily spoken out publicly. You know, so this calls for a level of organization in the gay community that I have not seen. <laughs> That was one of one of my thoughts regarding grooming. I'm like, they think we're organized enough to <laughs> be doing this stuff. But I mean, obviously, if we were, we would be organized enough to oppose all of this crazy stuff that's going on on like a routine basis. And so I um, actually 100% agree with you, Aaron. Uh, that is something that we should be doing. And we should. I don't know why we couldn't even almost like steal the model of HRC and have like the, you know, the corporate gay pride parade parade index. Like you, you must receive a a 90 or higher to walk. (laughs) Exactly. Like not everyone gets to walk. Not everyone gets to, to march hand in hand with us. Not everyone gets to do that. And like, it's, it's a, it's a, I mean, for all intents and purposes, we could just take What's your HRC equality index score and go, if right. you don't, if you're not at hundred percent, you're not walking. If you're you not know, even like a part easy, of it. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. And if you if, like, I know that there's probably a lot of like internal corporate people that are like, I want to march cause I want to show that I'm proud. And that I also am proud that I work at this company. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Yeah. You can use that, that energy you would have spent walking to walk on to an executive's office and pound on their door and go, why aren't we at a hundred percent? I wanted yeah. to walk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess we should also keep in mind um, that there are movements out there that are almost like anti-capitalists with regard to pride. They're like no corporations ever. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 So if and the, that's so more just, your vibe, go check them out. Just like I, just, I mean, there are a lot of ways to, to do influence, right? There is mm-hmm. through legislation, through lobbying, through working with your Congress people, like there's ways of being able to influence legislation. There's also the, the way of influencing through corporations. And then there's also like, obviously like organizations and just kind of more community groups. Yeah but all three are super powerful and super impactful and knowing that all three 
we probably need to be tapping into and activating against to be able to make any meaningful change. I think yeah. it would be remiss to say that no corporations, you can't participate in pride period because what that's going to end up doing is that's going to take a lot of money, a lot of dollars, a lot of funds away from being able to support yeah. queer people just from doing that. And like, yes, they might be making a profit. Yes. It might be for their own brand love or whatever else. But if we profit off of it too, great. Like I think about, um, I don't know if you saw this, but like, the Vixen was on um, McDonald's, their Pride Parade float in Chicago. Really? No, I did not see and that, and I'm shocked. I was too, but I, <laughs> then I was like, wait a second. She is cashing a check, Mama, a yeah. corporate check. She probably demanded, I don't know how much money. Like, Yeah. And that went to a queer person. That's that true. That is like, I mean, take advantage of it. Take that money. And the more we continue to let those types of things happen, the more opportunities, the more funds, the more whatever can get funneled back into the queer community to help support our lives. A hundred percent agree. Um, I kind of want to take this idea of a corporate equality index and apply it to uh, individual uh, cis gay men <laughs> and see, see if we would Ooh. even get to March. <laughs> Well, but, but we'll take, we'll think on that. We'll take a quick coffee break because um, we, I think it's really important that we do spend some time talking through concrete things that we should be doing to be uh, exceptional allies to our trans siblings. So be right back. Can't wait to drink some coffee and talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we've reached the cross-promotion part of the episode. As you've heard in this conversation and in some of the others, I've got more than a few thoughts on relationships, like the one with my husband, homeownership, like this squalorous fixer-upper, and adventures, like the skydiving video that I posted on YouTube. Now I'm putting all of those thoughts, articles, and videos together at JeromeEvans.com. Now that site is not funded through a grant from the Minnesota Department of Health, so there will be fewer reminders on there to get vaccinated for COVID-19, to ventilate your spaces and mask, but you know, I want you to be healthy, so I might just do that for free anyway. We'll see. And you actually don't have to worry about keeping up with two websites because I'm going to centralize everything at patreon.com slash bottomlesscoffee a site where you can follow all of the articles, podcasts, and TV show episodes for free. But there will also be exclusive paid subscriber stuff on there so we can keep the lights on around here, okay? Okay, cross-promotion complete. Let's get back to the conversation. You're back with Bottomless Coffee. I'm Jerome Evans, all over the internet at, at Jerome T. Evans. Um, we're, our guest is Aaron Minkema at the Aaron T H E E H R E N. Uh, it's a little weird, but you'll get used to it. And he is host of the podcast Bop or Flop. We are two cis gay men talking about being trans allies. Uh, and BT Dubs, if there are any trans people out there who would like to come onto the podcast and be heard, the invitation is open. Um, I would suggest that you slide into my DMs, leave a comment. You can at me. You can email me. My email is jerome at bottomlesscoffeeshow.com. And you can uh, find that info at the website bottomlesscoffeeshow.com. So, Aaron, we got to make sure that people leave here knowing how they can be better allies to the trans community. We've been enjoying a wonderful conversation. I feel like it's a little loose on the concrete steps people can take now. I think we've had some really good ideas for the future. Right. But like, what could I, what could I leave this conversation and do to be a better ally? 
Yeah, so I think that there's like good, better, best, right? Like you get to, you can pick a la carte on how far you go, but I would say like one of the easiest things that everyone can do mm. does not take any time or too much time or energy to do is use pronouns. Introduce ourselves oh. with our pronouns. Um, you might, you might think, oh, I look like a dude. Like my pronouns are probably obvious. It's not about you. It's never about you. That's true. By you signaling, like, again, when I'm in like a meeting with people that I've never met before, I will always go, whether, whether I'm like the last person in the group and no one else talked about their pronouns, I will be the person that says my pronouns. And what that signaling is, if there is a trans person on the call, that I am aware of the importance of pronouns and I'm aware of the importance of making sure that people are using the right pronouns, that they are acknowledging that if, if you are, um, if your pronouns are different than what I would assume, that it's important for me to ask, what are your pronouns? And for mm -hmm. me to use those pronouns correctly, because if I'm not, it's kind of like a slap in the face. Um, imagine if someone just like completely disrespected you almost immediately be, uh, it, at the start of a conversation or in conversation, it would feel super disrespectful and it yeah. wouldn't necessarily make us feel very good. And yeah. so one thing I would encourage us all to do, that would be a great way to, to show our trans allyship is just respect people's pronouns, use your pronouns, introduce yourself with your pronouns. And if you don't know someone's pronouns, instead of assuming, ask. And it's a, it really does signal to other people that you're comfortable having those conversations as well. Um, even as a, you know, just a gay man, I feel a lot more comfortable when I see like an email signature and someone has their pronouns in there. I'm like, oh, okay, like this person's cool. <laughs> I am unlikely to be discriminated against by this person. So that's, that's very useful. It's a uh, very useful information. It's like a, it's almost like a dog whistle, but like the good version right. of a dog whistle. So that's, the that's good. good. Like right? that that's is good. Minimum. It's good, better, best. That's that good. Is, yeah. The better I think is seek out trans stories. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is if, if, if you know of anyone that's trans, Try ask them like like obviously there's it's touch and feel. Ask them if they're willing to talk about um, what it means to be trans or talk about their experiences and their story. They might not be. If they aren't, there are plenty of people online that have shared their stories. There's plenty of documentaries out there. There's plenty of books. There's plenty of material that you can do or you can uh, yeah. use and dig into to better understand the stories of trans people, the struggles that they're dealing with, the, the feeling of fear that they, they had when they came out to their family, what that journey looked like for them. And there's obviously a right way to do it in a very respectful way. But one thing that I've, uh, I don't wanna speak on behalf of every trans person because not every trans person is willing to or wants to share their life story. But like a lot of trans people, similar to queer people, we kind of have to do this right now because we have to be able to continue to it's by us sharing our stories by us sharing our identities that we're helping both bring people along for the ride but also they're gonna they're gonna trust you more whenever they're they're at the ballot box and they're voting they're gonna be thinking about you just a little bit more when they're they're casting their vote and so if if, if you know of any trans people get to know them ask them about their lives, ask them about their interests, ask them about their story, do, or else just kind of do some digging online. I think I can share with Jerome. I don't know if, I think Jerome, you have like um, the podcast description, obviously, and stuff too. A couple different things that I've seen uh, oh, that yeah, would be please. good resources to be able to dig into. And just Katie Couric has a, almost like it's like trans people for dummies video or like a documentary thing okay. that I'd highly recommend. Um, so that's like the better. I would, um, 100%. I love the better. I would say maybe as an addition, I don't actually know what your best is going to be, but I, I would say, you know, go make friends with people, <laughs> diversify friends your friends that don't group. look like you. Yeah. <laughs> make friends yes. that don't look like you. 
And if, if you are looking around and going, oh, all of my friends seem to be the same skin color or the same gender or the same sexual orientation or whatever else, start to figure out how you can diversify your portfolio, mama, because yeah. right now you're getting single perspective on like one way of living and yeah. that's not going to be good for you and that's not going to be good for this world. Com completely agree because I did bring it up. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. Completely agree. I mean, with you completely there. agree. <laughs> okay, well then what's um, what's best? Obviously voting. Ah, voting, yes. Voting, and and by voting, I mean specifically voting like I was looking at this term cuz it actually came up today. I don't know where it came up, but like do you know what a wedge voter is? No. So I know a wedge the wedge is like someone that has it is the wedge that is kind of like the device. They have a single issue that they're divisive about and they're not budging on. And it can like it can wedge political parties because sometimes like whether you're like maybe the Democratic Party, maybe not everyone's pro trans. And so it's a wedge because it would potentially divide the Democratic Party or hmm. it'd be a wedge because it could divide the Republican Party. It's an it's, it's like kind of it's almost the same thing as like a single issue voter. Yeah, I would go as far as to say like. Add, add trans, non-binary um, rights and, and their identities yeah. as another one of your single issue votes or your wedge votes and go, I am not going to support a candidate, whether or not it's for my own best interests for a financial thing, like lower mm -hmm. taxes on my third yacht, like whatever those things are, take, take yeah. all the other shit aside and go, I'm going to prioritize uh, trans people and trans rights as like my number one wedge vote right now. And until like their rights are like secured and validated, that's, that's the best. That is best. Um, that is best. Do. I will say as a good version of that best suggestion, um, because elections come up relatively infrequently, you can look up the record of your representative now through a Google search. That's, that's easy good it's easy <laughs> and find out where they stand um and let's say better would be looking up finding out where they stand and if they are on the on our side of the issue sending them a letter of support maybe sending them a little donation if you like i i'm a former politician i will let you know the don't the donations do matter <laughs> if they are not you can also say i would love to have donated to you but I cannot support where you stand on tra on trans lives. And that really does resonate with politicians. And then best would be, um, to Aaron's point, you know, make that your non-negotiable. And I, right. I think I'm going to take that to heart. Uh, but I'm a little, you know, I live in mi Minneapolis. <laughs> That's easy for me to so, take to heart. You even know? The, so even in Minneapolis... <laughs> It's very progressive, but you have the Jacob Fries of the world who are like kind of more a uh, little bit moderate and or kind of well, conservative. I've met Democrat. him. I've met with him. He's not all that. Well, socially, socially speaking, um, he has not been all that moderate in my experience. Well, like when I like he loves to ahead. show up to the parades and do the dances. But but when it comes time to support the actual communities. We Maybe all, we not, all love showing up to the parades. We all love the parades. We all love the dances. I will say when I met with him, and this is more on personal experience than an evaluation of his policies, right? Because I have not done that. Um, but when I met with him, one of the first things that he talked about are the similarities between the black experience and the Jewish experience, um, particularly in Minneapolis with regard to segregation. And I was like, okay, that's, that's very interesting. I will also say that some of his appointees, because I was late to this podcast because I was talking with the health commissioner that he appointed, <laughs> do take um, our people uh, and people who look like me very much into account in the policies that they are that they are developing and that I'm assisting them with developing. And so this is not a defense of Jacob podcast, but in my experience, he's been better now than he has than he uh, than he was a couple of years ago. Tell me about Minneapolis police. I'll leave it at that. <laughs>
Well, they were, you would have to bring a lot of names. You'd have to drag out a lot of names to, to deal with the Minneapolis police. But that, that could be a very special how episode. How many years has he had to, to work on this? And how Several. many times have we gotten headlines all the way up to like national organizations being like, oh, Minneapolis Police Department is fucked? You I know? Cannot. <laughs> <laughs> cannot yet, defend the Minneapolis police. <laughs> I and, hope and under these consent decrees of that they whole do thing? better. Jacob Fry. Well, a lot. Yes and yeah, no. He is. I will give you a I'll give you a strong yes. Has been in charge He's for a, his entire he wants tenure. To be a strong mayor. In addition, in addition, a couple years ago, he also had a number of council people who were also in charge. But then they're past. This is not a new thing. You know, I'm. This is, not, not, again, not a police podcast, but they didn't just become bad when he took office. Betsy Hodges was there. Sharon Belton was there. R.T. Ryback was there. In general, pol the police in America, not just in Minneapolis, aren't great. I think what really differentiates Minneapolis from other places, which is one of the reasons why I really like being here, despite all the messiness, is that when something really terrible happened here, white people stood up and did something about it, which is a dramatic change from decades and decades of police doing whatever they wanted to people who looked like me and nothing being, and like there being no kind of social repercussion. Well, I'll, we will agree to disagree on Jacob Fry and whether or not. <laughs> You can't vote for him anyway. <laughs> it's um, you know I what can't. it is is that like you know because and I didn't um, I never have yeah 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 because I ran for office and at the city level um I started trying to think about the decisions I would make if I were responsible for the safety of everyone while also trying to change like the structure of an organization like the police. And it would just be, in my mind, it was very difficult and I couldn't think of a way to do it. And so it's difficult for me to fault him when I don't have a solution to present to him of how he could be doing it better. That was, and that's where my head was um, a number of months ago, uh, but I have not given it thought recently. And there are things I would chide him on uh, like how long it took to get a consent decree in place with the Minnesota uh, Department of Human Rights, um, as well as the, the most recent consent decree with the federal government. I, I would... Would I you call him a trans ally? Around. Would you call him a trans ally? Um... I would say surface level, sure. Okay. I, I so would at least say, good. Like, when it at least good. Maybe it, not better or best, but at least good. <laughs> within the, you know who is probably the most marginalized? Hmm. Black trans women in particular. Mm -hmm. And black people in particular are the ones that are being most targeted by police. And so if you're going to say that you're supporting the trans community, you'd be supporting all of the trans community, which would include trans people of color, which currently the structure with the, the police department isn't currently doing that. So well, that's where I'd say at a blanket level, he probably is going to wave around a trans flag and say, woohoo. But in terms of actually supporting all trans people and like what they deal with, especially at the intersections, I'd say that he has a lot of work to do. I'm actively trying to avoid having politicians on the podcast. <laughs> I will, but I will certainly give a, a member of that Jerome. <laughs> I will give a member of their administration time to speak should they decide that they want that they want to come in. But I wouldn't. <laughs> I will not be holding my breath. No. No. Yeah. No. This has been great, though, J Jerome. Yeah. Hopefully there's enough things within the rambles that are nuggets that you can take away or that people can take away or thought starters or something that riles you up and goes, yeah, I'm going to register to vote in Texas. Oh, geez. <laughs> if you live in Texas, you absolutely need to check and make sure that you are currently registered to vote. 
100%. And then you actually need to go ahead and make a plan to vote uh, when that time comes. Um, yep. I guess. I will, even, I will also yeah. send you the link to, to sign up to like get the registration form for, for Texas people. Oh, that's so nice. That was the first yeah. step. There we go. Yeah. Support your trans siblings. Vote for people who think that trans lives matter. Yes. Yes. Full stop. Full stop. Thank you, Aaron. This was really, really fun. Yeah. Always so fun to be talk- chatting with you, Jerome. Awesome. Well, thanks, everybody. This conversation was with the Aaron of Bop or Flop Podcasts at the Aaron on Instagram. And of course, I am Jerome Evans all over the internet at, at Jerome T. Evans and bottomlesscoffeeshow.com. Thanks all. Bye. Bottomless Coffee Podcast is produced by me, Jerome Evans. Our music is licensed through Artlist. We are grateful to be funded by a grant through the Minnesota Department of Health. I very much hope that you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening.